So as I found out following the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we will have a conversation in the next several weeks called Identity Crisis. My, 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 how awesome is that? To think that even though we understand Holy Week and all the activity that went along with it, some of us still may not know who we are. And I love the way Patty had the children to kind of demonstrate how they recognize symbols quickly, how they identify with what was called the golden arches, what was called the checkmark, just do it with Nike, and what was called the apple that was bitten into with all the technology in our lives. There are lots and lots of codes and symbols and ways that we identify with lots of things in our society. But the question is this morning, is the Christian brand in trouble? Has it been hijacked? What do you think when you hear the word Christian? Did you know it's only mentioned three times in the Christian Holy Bible? Did you know that the word disciple is there hundreds of times? And what's the difference? As we go through the service this morning, the question is, who am I? Or, better put, this is who I am. Which Christian are you, I ask you? Are you the one that says, who am I? Or the one that says, this is who I am? Would you pray with me, please? Good and gracious God, how beautiful of a day, how awesome the talents and the gifts that are shared. We thank you, almighty God, for the presence of those who come, iron sharpening iron, prepared for the work that we must do to strengthen and expand the ministry of Jesus Christ. We ask you, almighty God, to strengthen our identity in Christ Jesus. In the holy name we pray, amen. So let me give you a few definitions. Crisis identity is a period of uncertainty and confusion in which a person's sense of who they are is insecure, typically due to a change in society or in their lives. A Christian is a person who has received a Christian baptism and also is a believer in Jesus Christ and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And a disciple is a personal follower of Jesus during his life. Usually we think in terms of those 12 disciples. Now we are those disciples. So the scripture this morning and the title coming out of that scripture is Drawn Out God's Son. And you'll figure out why very quickly if you haven't seen the program and understand where we're going you see, the scripture verse this morning is when Pharaoh heard about it, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses ran away from Pharaoh and settled down in the land of Midian. And one day Moses was sitting by a well. That's our scripture. But what happened is the question. What took place at the time when Pharaoh was being cruel and decided in the height of ordering the death of all Hebrew babies and children at the age of two and under to be drowned, to be killed. Here, our God was bringing forth a deliverer of the whole Israeli nation. Only God could be doing that. When man's doing one thing, God does another. 
If man is taking care of every two-year-old and under, God is taking that one that he knows will save hundreds and thousands later on. Pharaoh's daughter sees a baby in a basket and takes pity on that baby and takes care of it in its infancy. Only God can say, Pharaoh, you can kill him over here, but your daughter is going to love it over here. Only our God can do that. Pharaoh is cruel, and he decides. Not only does that daughter who takes a baby in will need help with that baby, but only God can send the mother of Moses to be the caretaker of her own child in Pharaoh's palace. Only our God can do that. Moses was treated as a son of a Pharaoh's daughter. He was in line to be a Pharaoh. His birth, of course, was a poor one, but only our God can raise you and Moses so high that he tells you one thing, that he is God Almighty. Moses boldly owns the cause of his people. When seeing how they were being treated, he involved himself to the point that he killed a man and had to leave and had to run, had to get undercover. And so that's where the scripture picks up when Pharaoh heard about it. He wanted to kill Moses. Wow. There's something even more spectacular about this. Moses' parents had faith when they put the baby in the basket and sent it down the Nile River. Did you hear me this morning? Moses' parents had faith. And therefore, you can't tell me because I just feel it. I don't know where I got it from. But when you have faith, your children will have faith. When your children have faith, your grandchildren will have faith. You'll pass it on. You won't understand it. But it will reach their very inner core. And Moses had faith because he chose between being a pharaoh and being the leader of slaves. He had faith, faith not seen. That's what the scripture tells us. So I asked you this morning, do you have faith? Faith of things you can't see? Do you see it in a positive way? Born a Hebrew, adopted and raised as an Egyptian, and become extremely well known throughout history thousands of years later as a deliverer. He accepted his role. And my point this morning, as hard as it might be to have on a Sunday morning, God's plan and purpose for your life is first and foremost. Your identity crisis in this story, in any story, is number one, admitting the truth to yourself, whatever that might be, and living what is true. Can you imagine Moses thinking, give up the palace? Give up a promotion? Give up the beauty of all of life that's offered to me? Let that go? Go to the unknown? Lead people who have no desire to be led but want to be free? How awesome can you be as a Christian to make that step? 
Point number two, not only does God have a plan and purpose, that's number one, and number two is everyone and everything is uniquely beautiful. The world tells you you're not good enough. Just watch the commercials on TV. You're not tall enough, you're not cute enough, you're not handsome enough, you're not light enough, you're not dark enough. Your hair is not long enough, it's not short enough. You're not enough, according to the world. When the world tries to tell you that, it's robbing you of your true identity because God says you are enough because I made you. And in Christ Jesus, you're more than enough. When the world tells you that, that's the world, that's the world that's coming to steal, kill, and destroy you if you don't know Christ as your Savior. Your purpose in life is to be rich and satisfying, according to John 10.10. 10. You know that you were formed in your mother's womb and that you're wonderfully, complexly made and that the workmanship in you is marvelous and your soul knows it well. According to Psalms 139, you are uniquely made. Now, some people won't agree with this, but God created difference. He did not create a cookie cutter. Man created a cookie cutter. You're different because you're different parts of the body of Christ, like you're different parts of the community, different parts of the world, a holy nation. And all too often we want to buy in and be like everybody else, but Christians know that we're not like everybody else. We're specially made. Amen? Mm, I know there's a big book out there called All In. I'm all in for Jesus, though. They forgot that part of the book. So God created everything. He created everything and everybody just the way he wanted it. God makes no mistakes. Every feature of yours is just the way he placed it. And what people say about you never defines who you are. What defines you is the word of God. And God's words is that he loves you and you're perfectly made, 1 Peter 2.9. Here's my point in number two. We need to know who we are in Christ. We're not children of slaves, but of a king making us royalty. We're members of a royal family, the Christian family. We're chosen. We're royal priesthood members. We're part of a holy nation. God's special possessions that he made us and pulled us out of darkness so that we would be in light. First, first Peter, second nine. So now you know there's a purpose and a plan. Now you know you're uniquely, beautifully made. But not only does the world want you to know that you look a certain way when you're in the world and okay with the world, but they also want you to know that you gotta live a certain way. You gotta have certain possessions, a certain career, a certain hobby. You gotta find your identity and possessions. But how clearly we know that when those things are gone, we're empty. How many of you are old enough, and you don't have to raise your hand because I can look at you and tell you're about my age, 
How many of you remember the number pair of shoes that you have changed from the high school days all the way up to now? They never stayed the same, did they? Amen? How about your clothes? You remember the change of your wardrobe from the very beginning to now? Amen? How many of you changed cars from, I guess, 17 years old up until this period now? Has it changed a lot? Amen? How many of you used to play handball and now can barely walk to play golf? <laughs> Amen? You follow me and you know what I'm saying. The world will give you what it serves up. But you have a choice. You have willpower. You can decide. I'm going to be for God for the day I die, or I'm not going to be there, and I'm going to change with the wind. I'm going to be part of what everybody else does and do on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday nights and on choir rehearsal night and on prayer night. I can choose where I'm going to be and what I'm going to do. But over time, the things that you hold on to, they keep changing, and you keep grabbing for them. And sooner or later, you realize you can look back like I have. And I remember that ugly little Datsun. It was big enough to put inside this sanctuary that I drove the first time. And all the cars that I've had since. Because I wanted whatever they said was the thing you want. But in Christ Jesus, it never changes. It wants the same thing yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Everything, everyone is uniquely beautiful. And you need not... Believe me, you need not look to man-made standards for your identity. The price has been paid, your identity. He's not on the cross anymore, a resurrected cross. So my third and last point, and I love this word power, you have the power and the authority declared in you as a child of God. You know, it's like money. People say, oh, you shouldn't like money, but you shouldn't love money but money's okay. Power is okay too. It's not the love or misuse of power. It's power for Christ. Our identity is always under attack. And sometimes we have to declare our position. Sometimes we have to have affirmations and reinforcements so that we can stand strong in all types of weather. Because Christ is in you, you're not always the one speaking. It's Christ that's speaking through you. You can declare, you can make declarations by the power and authority that's vested in you, according to Proverbs 1.21. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God, and it is God, John 1.1. 1, 1. So this morning, I want you to realize that the power and authority to speak words and declare is up to you. Now, let me tell you now, you can build yourself up or you can tear yourself down. You can speak blessings or you can speak curses. It's up to you. But you have the power and the authority. So the scriptures I have for you this morning, they're awfully good, powerful scriptures of declaration. And I would love for you to say them after me. So out of Deuteronomy 28.2, would you say this, please? The blessings of God will overtake me. Because I obey the voice of God. Genesis 5.1, I am made in the image of God. Romans 8.15, I am a child of God. 
Psalm 16, 6, I have a good inheritance. Psalms 31, 19, God has good things laid up for me. God has good things laid up for me. Because I trust him. Because I trust him. Psalms 36, 8, I walk in abundance. I walk in abundance. 3 John 1, 2, I have good health. I have good health. Deuteronomy 28, 4, the work of my hands are blessed. Genesis 12, 3, my family is blessed. My family is blessed. Joshua 1, 9, I am courageous. I am courageous. Uh-uh. I am courageous. I am courageous. 2 Timothy 1, 7, fear not, because it does not reside here. Fear not, because it does not reside here. Philippians 4, 6, I stress over nothing. But pray over, pray over everything. Psalm 37, 25, God will never abandon or forsaken me. God will never abandon or forsaken me. Ah, let us go to the table where you received those blessings some 2,000 years ago. Let us enjoy the moment. Amen. <laughs> 